with me to the book of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. The portion of scripture we're going to examine today takes place on the shores, the location of it was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And what the Sea of Galilee is, is really a big lake, okay? It's a pretty cool place to hang out. You can hang out at the lake. It's a beautiful lake. It's tough to think of it as a sea. It really is simply a large lake. And during this portion of Scripture, what we see here is Jesus displays his authority and his power for everybody to see. And if we would take the time to look right before the passage we're about to read, Jesus and his disciples are in the boat. And they're going across to the other side, and a storm comes up. Well, Jesus is he's below deck, and he is taking a nap. And the disciples get all worked up, and they go down, and they wake him up, and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Or don't you care? And Jesus gets up, and he says three words. Peace be still. And immediately, the wind died down, the waves subsided, and Jesus' disciples were astonished. And they say this, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? That's before this portion of Scripture we're going to read. Right after this portion of Scripture that we're going to read, Jesus leaves where he's at, and he goes on over to the other side of the lake, And on the other side of the lake, as he gets out, there's a whole crowd of people who gather, and they want to talk to him. They want to see him. And in that crowd of people is a guy named Jairus, and he's a synagogue ruler, and his daughter's dying. So he comes to Jesus because he believes that Jesus has the power and authority to heal his daughter. And so he comes to Jesus and says, will you come to my house and heal her? And so Jesus starts to go with them. And there's these crowds of people who have gathered around him, and there's this one particular lady. If you've been in church any length of time, you know who she is. She's this woman who's been sick for, I think it's it's either 12 or 14 years. And she had an issue of blood. So she was bleeding nonstop. And, you know, that, that did some things to her. Not only would it physically drain her, emotionally drain her, it would also make her ceremonially unclean. And so it would kind of separate her from worship in some ways. And so this woman has this belief, though. Maybe she didn't feel that she was worthy to go near to Jesus. We don't know the reasons why she felt this way. But for some reason, she didn't go up and ask him anything. But she had this thought in her mind. If I can just touch the hem of his garment... If I can just reach out and touch him, I'll be made whole. So Jesus is walking in the crowd, and all of a sudden, the scripture says, he feels power going out of him. And he said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, they're like, come on, Jesus. This whole crowd, they're pressing in on you. They're all touching you. What do you mean? But there was something about her touch. She touched him in faith. She reached out expecting something from him. And when she reached out in faith, boom, power went from Jesus into her and she was immediately healed. The bleeding stopped. She was broke. She spent all of her money trying to get this thing figured out. And instantly Jesus healed her. Well, 
some other stuff goes on. You know, that, that's an exciting time, but then here comes Jairus's, the people from Jairus's house. And so this woman's being healed, and people are rejoicing in that. The people come up to Jairus, and they say to Jairus, Jairus, don't bother the master anymore. Don't bother him. Your daughter's died. It's too late. Are there any impossible situations in your life where people around you say, don't keep bothering Jesus anymore? It's already too late. It's too far gone. Jesus displays, first of all, he displayed his power over nature, over the wind and the waves. He displays his power over sickness and disease. Boom, like that. 14 years, she had gone everywhere to get help and couldn't get any. And instantly, Jesus heals her when she touched him. Jesus didn't do, he didn't actually do anything. He didn't say, be healed. He didn't do anything. She just reached out and touched him. Now, here comes Jairus, and the people are saying, don't bother him anymore. But Jesus keeps going. And Jesus goes with them, and he goes to the house, and he goes in with the parents, and he shut the door. He didn't let anybody else come in. There are some times in your life when you are going to have to shut everybody else out. I want you to hear me. You're going to have to push everybody out, all the naysayers, everybody else's opinions, everybody else's ideas, and you have to push them out and say, I'm not listening to that. And Jesus went in, and in a moment he said to her, Tabitha, arise. And she arose. And she, they said she was dead. Life came back into her, and she ate. So we see, just in this short portion of Scripture, we see Jesus' power, as I'm going to say it again, over the winds and the waves, his power over sickness and disease. We also, if you take the time, you would see his power over actually life and death. Things that that people say are too far gone. Once someone's dead, they're dead. Right? Situations that we think are impossible, Jesus' power was even over that. Now, we're going to pick up here in Mark chapter 5. We're going to see his power displayed in another area. It says that they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, and would you underline that in your Bible? When Jesus got out of the boat, that's going to be the title of our message today. When Jesus gets out of the boat. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one, no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he often had been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him, and night and day, Among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. The title of my message today is, When Jesus Gets Out of the Boat. Now, over the years, I've preached a few messages about getting out of the boat, and Peter getting out of the boat, and encouraging people to get out of the boat and take steps of faith. But I want you to know this. Jesus can work in the boat or out of the boat. He's not limited. Jesus can have a boat or he don't need a boat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter his situations, the circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on around about him. Jesus is able to accomplish the purposes and the plans that he has. 
But in this one situation, when Jesus got out of the boat, one man's life was changed forever. One man's destiny was transformed when Jesus got out of the boat. It was forever altered. Now, we know from Scripture that this man, according to Scripture, was controlled by evil spirits. Now, he was not always like this. You know, he realizes that there was a day he was somebody's little baby boy. He was someone's grandson whom they loved. And we don't know how this took place or the history of what happened in his life, but he wasn't always like he ended up. But we know this, and at some point he left his home, and he ended up living in the tombs. The Bible tells us that he was a man who was tormented day and night. He couldn't sleep. Day and night, he could not sleep. His mind was tormented. His spirit was tormented. And the Bible says that he would take rocks and cut himself. Somehow, maybe to ease the emotional pain or the spiritual pain that he was feeling. Maybe he felt that made him better. But we know that the enemy was behind that. Matthew's gospel says that this man was so violent that people in the community would not go by there. If people had to go, travel through that area, they would go away and go around about that area rather than go through it because of his violence. He was out of control. He couldn't control himself. And the Bible says that no one could control him. It says that he was so strong that no one could subdue him. There are many people like that today. They are out of control. They cannot control themselves, and no one can control them. They are, however, controlled by their addictions, by their anger, by their lust, and by their pride. There are certain areas in people's lives that when you're not careful, you open the door for the enemy to come into your life, and you give him a place. As believers, we really need to be careful. One of those places where we let the, it's like an opening for the enemy, is in unforgiveness and bitterness. The Bible says that when you refuse to forgive somebody else, that you'll be turned over to the tormentors until you can pay back everything that you owe. And so one of the dangers that we have, whenever people start to let bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart, it's almost like it opens a door for the enemy to come in and, and to wreak havoc and to torment them. Another area where we find an opening for the enemy, and particularly for the demonic, is whenever people are engaged in drugs and alcohol. They have an altered state of mind. You'll see people doing things that they would never do before. They become a different person whenever they come under the authority or under the control of the drugs and the alcohol. And friends, that allows the enemy a foothold in their lives. Another one of those areas is sexual immorality. Is another area where it opens a door to the enemy for things to control. Did you ever see that show Dateline? Remember Dateline to Catch a Predator? I'm going back a few years. Dateline to Catch a Predator. They'd set up a home, and they'd have all these cameras in a home. They'd outfit it with cameras. What was the guy's name who would be in there? Does anyone know? What is it? would be hiding in a back room, and they'd have cameras inside the place. Outside, they'd have police hiding in the house. 
And I remember watching this one in Florida. And they'd have cameras up and down the street so that they could see people coming. And these men would get on the Internet to meet either young boys or young girls. And they would come to these houses. And then the police would arrest them. They'd film coming in and start to talk. And then that, that handsome guy would come out. Hey, how you doing? And I remember this one guy. They're videotaping it. And they catch this one guy. And so they have him on the ground. These people would be lined up. Oh, I'll be there, you know. We have this guy coming at 5, this one coming at 6, this one coming at 7. And this guy is, they're throwing him on the ground, handcuffing him. All right? And here comes the, this other guy who's coming to meet this kid. And he's coming, he's a little early. And they show him driving down the street. And he's driving down looking, looking at, watching the police there. And that idiot waits a half hour and comes back to the very same house to pick up this little boy or girl. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Could they possibly be in their right mind? I mean, you could have a, a horrible IQ. Your IQ could be in the single digits, and you would be able to know, hmm, maybe I shouldn't go there. But you know what? When the enemy has control of somebody, they do things, it's against their better judgment. They cannot, you just saw the guy get caught. You just saw the police throwing him on the ground. You're driving by looking right at it. What are you going there for, you turkey? Somehow, something takes control of them. See, whenever you let the enemy in those places in your life, you, you, as believers, we've got to be really careful. We've really got to be careful. You don't open the door to the enemy. You don't give him a rightful place in your life. Okay? As believers, it, and there's some times that if the door's been open, we need to work pretty hard at getting it shut and getting free from those things. The Bible says that we're to flee sexual immorality. This man could not control himself. He was out of control. Verse 6, it says, When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And notice the next verse. And he begged. Everybody say begged. He begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs were feeding in the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. Everybody say permission. Permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. The pigs committed suicide. How about that? Can I tell you that a lot of the despair and hopelessness that people in our world today experience is because of oppression from the enemy? He doesn't want you to hear the message today. He doesn't want you to share the truth of this message today, because there's a lot of people today who are in bondage. There's a lot of people who are hopeless, who despair of even life. 
And if they would start to understand, in a moment we're going to talk about it, the authority that we have, the rightful place that we have in Jesus Christ, if they would start to get a glimpse of that, the enemy's chains start to fall off of them. He no longer can control them because the enemy had to beg. The evil spirits within that man recognized who Jesus was and the authority he had. When Jesus asked the name, the reply was Legion, for we are many. Funny thing is, if you talk to someone and they said their name was Legion, there are many, some kind of weird voice comes out of them. Probably a lot of people, the natural thing, the natural thing would to be afraid. But when we look at Scripture, what we see here is that Jesus was the one with authority. Jesus was the one who was in charge. In that time, Legion was defined as a Roman military unit made up of 6,000 infantrymen. So there was this large force of militant evil spirits that were intent upon disrupting and destroying that man's life. And all of those around him, he wanted to not only hinder him and destroy him, but he wanted to disrupt and hinder those around him. But Jesus had authority. I wish that as a church, we would understand Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. I wish today as a church that when you leave here, you would go home. And before you do anything else, you would start asking the Lord, Lord, let me see from your word what you say about the authority that I have. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as one who's been adopted into your family, as one who has been purchased by your blood, as one who's been commissioned to carry out your work on the earth, would you please show me, Lord, the authority that you have given to me already? Not something that you're going to give to me in the future, but something according to your word that I already possess, that's already mine, that's already in my arsenal, as it were. I wish that as a church, we would get a revelation of the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. There's something about a person of authority. See, sometimes people misunderstand that. And sometimes when you're insecure, you look at someone in authority and you think, well, they're cocky or they're arrogant or they're proud. But I want you to understand this. When you truly understand authority. You understand that you don't have to yell. When you're in authority, you don't have to raise your voice. You don't have to raise your voice. You just aren't doing that here. No, no, that doesn't work here. When you're a person of authority, you do not, listen to this, you do not argue and debate. When you're a person of authority, you do not need to negotiate. You don't have to shrink back. You don't have to take a poll. You simply say, this is it, and this is it. It's amazing. We've lost sight of the authority that is ours in Jesus Christ. If you understand, you know, you're, you're not going to be second-guessing yourself all the time. You're not going to be doubting yourself all the time. You're simply going to say, this is the way that it is. I, I'm, you don't like it, that's too bad. People say, oh, that's not right. Listen, the enemy is wrecking havoc in people's lives. 
He's wrecking havoc in our schools. He's wrecking havoc in our community, wrecking havoc in our families. And we stand back and say, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Listen, it's wonderful when the righteous rule. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Okay? And so whenever you are walking in the authority that God has given you, your home is going to be a different place. Your marriage is going to be a different place. The workplace is going to be a different place. The church is going to be a different place. And the world around us is going to be a different place when we understand the authority that God has imparted to us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus, I want you to listen to Jesus' words. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, I'm backing you up. You go and make disciples. You teach them. You baptize them. And know this, that I am walking with you. I'm backing you up. I have all authority, and I am going with you. I am for you. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them what? What's the word say? He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. What did he give them? What was the word it said? Now, this is not Steve Ritchie theology. This is the word of God. And you need to get this, and I need to get this into my head and into my heart and into my spirit. You know, because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to let things happen in our lives to knock us down a level. He loves to see you knock down. He likes to hit you, like, below the knees. So that you're kind of, well, I don't know if I have authority. This is what we base it on. You do not base it upon your personal experience. You base your belief upon what the Word of God says. When you align your belief with what the Word of God says, your life starts coming into alignment, okay? But if you're starting to think, I don't know if it applies to me, it may apply to the pastor, it may apply to the evangelist, it may apply to a special person, but it doesn't apply to me. No, you align your thinking and you align your belief with what God's Word says. He called His 12 disciples and He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. That's what Jesus did. That's what his word says. So we need to understand, he's given me authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, one of the challenges that we have is we have people who sit around and do nothing. You look and you see the things that are going on. The enemy comes in. I guess there's nothing I can do about it. I guess there's nothing I can do. No. You're a person of authority. You know my brother is a cop. He doesn't work the street anymore. He's a detective. But whenever he did the street, what he would do is he would go, this is my area. This is my area. You're from this street over to here. And there's certain areas where impure spirits are coming in. 
Now people want, oh, everybody's worried about rights. Listen, if we take care of our responsibilities, you don't have to worry about rights. The guys who are pimping out girls, the guys who are selling drugs, the guys who are shooting each other, they really don't have a whole lot of rights, okay? You don't have a right to do that. You don't have a right to do that. And the people who are forced to live in that neighborhood, they don't want people getting killed out in front of their house. They don't want all their stuff stolen. They just want to live a peaceful life. And so he would go into his area, and what he would do is, is he, as he would travel around, what are you doing outside at 1.30 in the morning, standing on the corner? And so he would go up to the guys and the guys who were running prostitutes and stuff. He would just pull up to them, and he would talk to them. He'd say, listen, you can't stand here. Oh, 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 listen, I told you. It was, it was funny because, like, he's a nice guy, but he's like, no, you ain't doing that here, dude. You're going to find another place. You're not doing it. I'm not chasing you around all night. You either move along or I'm locking you up. Well, oh, my goodness, oh, oh wow, I hurt his feelings. Who cares if you hurt his feelings? He's prostituting women. He's shooting people. And what happens is when you drive out, when you, the Bible says drive out the mocker and out goes strife, quarrels and insults are ended. It just says, if you see me, I better not see you. That's what you tell them. If you see me, I better not see you. Because I'm going to keep coming back again and again. And I'm going to find a reason to lock you up. And I like locking you up later on Friday night because then you can't get out until Monday morning. That's my favorite time to lock you up. Let you spend a few days in there. So what would happen is when authority would come into those areas and they would say, you can't do that here, the crime rate drops. The parents are able to send their kids outside to play and not worry about somebody shooting them. But when you let anything go on, when you just let whatever happen, okay, you let people do anything that they want, that's chaos. In the spiritual realm, you have been given authority. You've been given authority over your home. You've been given authority over your neighborhood. You've been given authority in certain realms of the church. And when you've been given that authority, friend, what's wonderful is when people start walking in their authority. Now, not some, see, it's not a prideful, it's not an arrogant thing. It's this is my responsibility. That young man, that friend of my son, his life's going to be ruined if I don't do something. His life's going to be ruined. Is that what you want to see? Those kids in the neighborhood, their lives are going to be destroyed if I don't do something. And God has called you to step in, to stand in the gap, and to make up a wall of protection. So in the spirit realm, God has empowered you to do that. Jan has authority over her grandchildren. And so Jan can go in there and she can pray in the spirit, and she can establish boundaries of where the enemy has a right. She can say, you do not belong here anymore. Get out. You're not staying here. I don't know who you think you are. You have no right here in Jesus' name. Now listen, as we go back to our scripture, Luke chapter 10, this is Jesus' words. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Do you hear that? If you knew you could go into a situation and nothing would harm you, how many times are we timid? How many times, God says, if you shrink back, I'm not going to be pleased with you. But we're not of those who shrink back. You're not of those who shrink back. 
And so the word says that he has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Last week, Evelyn shared with us a scripture from 2 Peter that says that his divine power has given us, what's that word? Everything we need for a godly life, for knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. What does everything mean? It says he's given us everything. We already have everything we need to live a godly life. It's already in our possession. Now, I want you to notice what happened when Jesus gets out of the boat. What would happen if we start walking in the divine authority that God has already given us? Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were happy. What does it say? They were afraid. John chapter 14, verse 12, Verily, truly, this is Jesus, I tell you, whoever believes in me, do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? He says, whoever believes in me, if you can say, yes, I believe in him, then this applies to you. Will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And notice what he says. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for what? Small things, unimportant things, things that are insignificant. He said, you can ask for me for anything. Nothing's too big. Nothing is too hard. You can ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Skipping back to verse 14 of our text. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Notice they talk about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus, what's it say? To leave their region. What? As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell him to the capitalist how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Jesus told him to do the very thing I told you to do in my last sermon. We said somebody ought to testify. Jesus said, this man comes to Jesus and Jesus he wants to go with him. And Jesus says, no, you stay here and you testify to how good I have been to you, how gracious I have been to you. But let's notice the people's reaction. When the town folks see Legion dressed in his right mind, they're happy, right? They're amazed. They're speechless. No, the scripture says they were afraid. Sometimes people get afraid of allowing the Lord Jesus to have full control of a situation because we don't know what will happen. You've got a crazy guy. Another portion of Scripture says that there were two of them. You have crazy guys 
living in tombs, up all night, screaming and hollering, cutting themselves, and you're more afraid of Jesus healing them than you are the craziness. Come on now. The Bible says that they were afraid. Sometimes there's things that change, and we don't always like things changing. And the people began to plead with Jesus that he would leave them. When God starts to work in your life, you know, sometimes we get these weird things like we see on TV, like the exorcist. I didn't watch it. I remember when I was a little kid that was on TV or something, The Exorcist. That's the, like horror movies and stuff like that. I personally think we should stay away from that. I think it's garbage. When God starts to work in people's lives and starts to change somebody, you know, it's funny. Sometimes people get upset because some, well, in church, someone, they just cried all the time. It kind of weirded me out because someone fell out under the power of God. It doesn't weird you out that they're prostituting themselves. Hmm? Here's the reality of the New Holland area that we live in. You've got young girls who are having sex with complete strangers simply to get high. Young girls who are out prostituting themselves so that they can get high. And that doesn't bother you? Huh? How about the young men who have sex with other men so that they can get high? That doesn't bother you? That makes me sick. But here's the reality. And church would say, oh, well, wait a minute. Someone shook a little bit. Someone fell under the power of God. Someone spoke in tongues. Listen, we've got people who are dying. And their lives are being destroyed. And we stand back and say, oh, I, I don't know, the church is a little, little crazy this week. When God starts moving, man, you need to press in. When God starts setting someone free, when God starts changing someone's life, when God starts renewing someone, when God's, you know, wait a minute, some bad stuff came out. We heard some stuff we didn't like to hear. Well, there's a lot of things that happen in this world that we don't like to hear. In church, sometimes if God starts working in people's lives, you deal with mess, but the world is destroying people. Satan's destroying people's lives. And as God begins to move and his, his spirit begins to move, I want to encourage you to this. When his spirit begins to move, as, as Evelyn said, you press in. When the Spirit begins to move, you say, God, I want more of you. I need more of you. Our church needs more of you, Lord. We need to see more of your power. We need to see more of your anointing. We need to see you intervening in an even greater way than ever before. Don't shrink back. Don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. When the enemy comes in, you know what? And when you start drawing near to God, I really faced some real resistance personally this week to sharing this message with you. You know how, how the enemy comes against us. Because he doesn't want you to hear that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He loves to torment you and bully you and push you around. And you know what he likes to do? He likes something small to hang on to you. Something small so that you say, I don't know if this works. Some of you who have temper, you have a a bad habit. And he likes to be able to just smudge that in your face. Just to rub it in your face. He loves you to, to be sick. They want you to be sick and have a sickness or ongoing illness and say, well, this doesn't work. But he already knows that he's been defeated. Jesus went and took the keys of death in the grave. He's already been defeated. You and I just need to get our minds clear at what he's done. He's come to set the captives free. He's come to bring freedom and healing to people's lives. The other part, if you want him to leave, he will. Over people's houses, it's written Ichabod. Over some churches, it's written Ichabod. The Spirit. Over guys like Samson's life, he didn't know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. 
He went out as always to do what he did. He didn't realize. But if you ask him to stay, if you invite him, he will come and abide with you. He'll make his habitation with you. He'll dwell with you. The other point to consider in regards to this is that the people who had just lost their pigs, so that would have come into their thinking. That's why they wanted Jesus gone. They're costing us money. But we should remember that the Sea of Galilee is right in the very center of Israel. It's right in the very center. Now, we know that there were non-Jews there. But if these people were still Jews or partly Jewish, they weren't meant to be in the pig business in the first place. They weren't meant to be in the pork business. doesn't matter how lucrative it was. They were not supposed to be in that business. So they may have preferred their worldly compromise and the temporal benefits that brought more than they valued obedience. And I'll tell you what, the more you walk in obedience, the more authority you have. The more you walk in obedience, the more aware you are of the authority that's been imparted to you. What was Jesus' command to the man who had been delivered? Jesus told him the same message I gave you two weeks ago. He said, you go home and you testify how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. You know what? There's some people who are sitting here. You're clothed and you're in your right mind because of what God has done for you. Can we just take a minute? You know, the funny thing is just we've all come from different backgrounds. Can we just take just a minute and thank him, Lord, that I'm here. I am clothed and in my right mind because of what you have done in my life. Lord, I thank you that I have peace in my heart because of what you have done in my life. We mentioned those things of the anger, the pride, the lust, the abuse of alcohol and drugs and the door to the enemy. But aren't you glad that Jesus can shut doors that nobody can open? And he can open up doors that no one can shut. I want to encourage you, as we close, this is what I want us to do. I just know this. I want you to know that the enemy does not want you to know the authority that's rightfully yours. Because you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. You've been adopted into his family. He said he's given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And nothing shall by any means harm you. That's what he says. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. He says, the word says that he's given us everything we need for godliness. You have authority. But he doesn't want you to know it. He wants you to think that you don't so that you don't do anything. So that you remain passive. But he wants us to be aggressive. He wants to be active in his kingdom. I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you ask the Lord, God, would you open my eyes and let me see that you have anointed me? Some of you feel so unworthy. You feel so unworthy to be someone who has authority. Some of you feel so inadequate because the enemy's whipped you up on some things. But I want you here today. That stops today. That stops. And he's given you authority to spend the rest of your life helping other people to walk in freedom. You know, I'll tell you something. There's some legions that you work with. Some of you have a few legions in your family. you got some relatives who are out of control. 
but the power of God is there to set them free. And then we're going to pray, and we're going to ask that God's authority, it's already been released, but it will be revealed to you, the authority that you have, and that from this day on, when you walk into a situation, you're not walking afraid, you're not walking anxious, but you can lay your hands on people and say, in the name of Jesus, be whole. And God will heal their brokenness. And God will heal their bodies. And He'll flow from you and make a difference in their lives. 